0: Broken Timelines. Podcast 1. By Jack Stornaway. Copyright 2019 Jack Stornaway. Part 1, Dynastic Egypt. The purpose of this work is to demonstrate that the original Egyptian timeline, as recorded by Manitha and the ancient Egyptian king lists, and as documented by the foremost Egyptologist of the British Empire, Sir W. M. Flinders Petrie, actually make far more sense than the conventional Egyptian timeline. The original timeline is herein called the Unified Long Timeline, or the ULT, as it also takes into account the dynastic records of Mesopotamia, and the various lines of scientific evidence amassed in the past century such as dendrochronology, paleoclimatology, and carbon dating. The dates used in the ULT are taken from Petrie's researches in Sinai from 1906, and should not be misconstrued as exact dates. Petrie himself states that the earlier dates could be up to a century off due to the limited amounts of records and artifacts dating to the old and middle kingdoms. Likewise, the CT used herein is the middle chronology of Egyptology. Egyptologists have worked out several variations of the short timeline, with each generation seeming to want to distinguish itself by erasing more of Egypt's ancient history. And it is history, it was written down. There were kings and queens recorded, yet the way Egyptologists are going, by the year 3000, the great pyramids of Giza will probably have been designed by Archimedes and built by Cleopatra. The various versions of the CET proposed the past century can deviate by up to 630 years for the foundation of the First Dynasty, therefore the CET dates given should also be considered relative. Conventional View of Ancient Egypt Open any history book today and turn to the Egyptian civilization and you'll see pretty much the same thing, the Kingdom of Egypt was founded around 3100 BC. If you go one step further and open a book on Egyptology you'll see scholarly debates about when it was exactly, with some radical Egyptologists claiming it was as early as 3400 BC, or as recent as 2770 BC. The way Egyptian history is presented it would seem that around 5000 years ago the Egyptian civilization was founded by nomadic tribes that suddenly decided to settle down somewhere. These settlers built pens for their livestock and started farming the local grains. They then built some mud huts, and eventually through some inspired genius, invented writing, first as simple pictures, and then as more and more highly complex hieroglyphs. This no doubt led to discovering mathematics, geometry, and as their mud huts got bigger, architecture and engineering. Finally, Some egotistical king decided he needed a private mountain to be buried in and worked thousands of slaves to death building the first pyramid. Other kings decided they needed bigger and bigger pyramids, working more and more slaves to death until some slaves rebelled. Jews, Christians, and Muslims have holy books that describe a rebel from the house of Pharaoh named Moses, who unleashed ten plagues upon Egypt. Causing widespread death and destruction to the point that the king let the slaves go. Then the Egyptians stopped building pyramids, probably because they didn't have enough slaves, and their civilization slowly withered until Alexander the Great invaded. After that, the Egyptian civilization ceased to exist, as the country was ruled by a series of foreign cultures, starting with the Greeks, and then the Romans, Arabs, Turks, and British, before emerging as the country it is today. While the history from the conquest of Alexander onward is essentially correct, almost everything described in the two prior two minutes before Alexander is fundamentally wrong. Egyptologists hearing the previous statements might be surprised that anyone could believe such nonsense, yet many intelligent and educated people believe what has been stated. The previous description of Egyptian history is so widespread, that when paleoclimatologists discovered proof of the 5.9 kilo year event, it was suggested that this was what caused the nomadic tribes to settle in the Nile region. The 5.9 kilo year event was an intense period of atmospheric drying and the expansion of deserts across North Africa. Before this event, much of what is today the Sahara Desert was grasslands and forests. The event happened around 5900 years ago and is linked to many human migrations that happened at the time. Naturally one of these migrations would have been out of the Sahara into the Nile River Valley. As Egyptologists all seem to agree that Egyptian civilization was founded sometime after 5900 years ago the concept has begun to gain acceptance within the Egyptology community. The idea that the 5.9 kilo year event is what forced the nomadic tribes to settle in the Nile and become farmers certainly seems valid unless one asks why the virtually identical 8.2 kilo year event didn't do the same thing 2300 years earlier. The answer? Of course, is the circular logic that Egyptian civilization developed after the 5.9 kilo year event because Egypt appears in the archaeological record starting sometime between 5,447-70 years ago. But did it? Early Egyptology. This idea that Egypt was founded around 3100 BC is a fairly new idea, it has only been around for about a century. The founders of Egyptology generally claimed that Egypt was thousands of years older. Modern Egyptology began in the early 1800s when Jean-Francois Champollion first deciphered Egyptian hieroglyphs and set off a period of Egyptomania in post-Napoleonic Europe. Champollion and another linguist and founder of Egyptology Ippolito Rossellini, organized the Franco-Tuscan expedition to Egypt of 1828 and 1829, which greatly expanded the number of ancient Egyptian records Europeans had to study. Champollion was convinced from his translations of the ancient dynastic records, that Egypt was founded in 5867 BC. Many early Egyptologists studying the ancient Egyptian dynastic records came to similar dates such as Georg Friedrich Unger who in 1867 published the date of 5613 BC for the foundation of Egypt. In 1904, Edward Meyer discovered the Suthic cycle of heliacal risings of Sirius, which forms the basis for the traditional timeline of Egypt, and placed the foundation date for Egypt at no later than 3315 BC. Mayer revolutionized the way Egyptologists were dating ancient Egyptian events by introducing so-called approximate dates, which dealt with the gaps in Egyptian history by grouping together events that were known to have happened in relation to each other, and then dating them to the latest possible point they could have taken place according to the ancient Egyptian use of the Southick calendar. This meant that events could have happened earlier than Mayer's dates, but not later. Sir Flinders Petrie, Who was the first chair of Egyptology in the United Kingdom? Placed the foundation of Egypt at 5510 BC in his 1906 book Researches in Sinai. Petrie was a pioneer of systematic methodology in archaeology, the preservation of artifacts, and led many excavations of the most important archaeological sites in Egypt. Until his death in 1933, Petrie continued to be an advocate for the long timeline of Egyptian history even as the world of Egyptology slowly shifted towards the now ubiquitous short timeline. In Petrie's own words, If anyone wishes to abandon these dates, they must also abandon the greater part of the information that we have, cast Maniphal and the Turin papyrus aside, ignore the evidence of Cretan archaeology, and treat history as a mere matter of arbitrary will, regardless of all records. As against this general position of dates there is nothing to be set in favor of any very different schemes, nothing, except the weightiest thing of all, prepossessions. So what happened? Ancient Egyptology. The question how old is Egypt, is not a new question. The oldest known archaeological digs in Egypt actually date back to the time of ancient Egypt. King Tutmos IV 4 who reigned around 1400 BC was famous for the restoration of the Sphinx at Giza, and then erecting the Dream Steel between the two paws of the Sphinx. Around 1250 BC, King Ramesses II's son Ka'emwezet famously excavated and restored many historic buildings, tombs, temples, and pyramids. Prince Ka'emwezet is often described as the first Egyptologist due to his efforts in discovering and restoring historic buildings. Restoration texts from Ka'emwezet have been found associated with the Pyramid of Unas at Saqqara, the Tomb of Sheps SKF, called the Mastabat al-Furun, the Sun Temple of New Cyrene, the Pyramid of Suhur, the Pyramid of Jose, and the Pyramid of Uzakaf. For someone who has never studied the history of Egypt, the idea that the ancient Egyptians were discovering and restoring the ruins of ancient Egypt, might seem strange. It is important to remember that whenever Egypt was founded, it was around for a very long time. King Tutmos IV and Prince Kaemweset lived during the period of Egyptian history known as the New Kingdom, while the buildings they were discovering and restoring dated back at least a thousand years earlier to the Old Kingdom. Both the ULT and CET, agree that the New Kingdom existed between approximately 1580-1102 to BC ULT, or 1549-1077 BC CET. The two timelines disagree over what happened before the New Kingdom. The generally accepted CET places the Old Kingdom between 2686 and 2181 BC, while the ULT places the Old Kingdom between 4945 and 4003 BC. Specific versions of both timelines may differ by several hundred years when discussing the Old Kingdom. Regardless of the timeline used, King Tutmas II and Prince Kaemweset lived at least a thousand years, after the buildings they were discovering and restoring were originally built, and possibly several thousand years. It seems likely that the two ancient Egyptologists would have believed it had been several thousand years, and not just one thousand years, as the Abydos King List was created at approximately the same time, and matches closely to the timeline worked out by Manetho over a thousand years later. The Abydos King List is a list of the names of 76 kings of ancient Egypt, found on a wall of the Temple of Seti I at Abydos, and dated to around 1270 BC. The ancient Egyptians kept many lists of their kings, however, each list reflects the bias of whoever wrote it. For example, the Abidus king list omits the kings that the priests of Abidus found heretical, such as Akhenaten, and the entire Hyksos dynasty. This abundance of lists that only partially agree with each other, is what has caused the multitude of variations of both the long and short timelines. This plethora of histories was discovered by the Greeks when they ruled Egypt, and was tackled by the Egyptian historian Manetho around 300 BC, when he compiled and published Egyptiaca. Egyptiaca, which means history of Egypt in Greek was the seminal work on Egyptian history during the Greco-Roman period. The influence of Manetho on Egyptology cannot be understated. For 2,000 years, historians and Egyptologists believed that Manetho had been the first to organize the ancient kings and queens of Egypt into the dynasties we still use today. Unfortunately, the late Roman era was fraught with religious controversies, one of which was the Age of the World, as the early Christians believed that humanity was only created in 5509 BC while the rabbinical Jews believed it was in 3750 BC, and the Samaritans believed it happened around 4400 BC. Yet the Egyptians and Babylonians both claimed their civilizations were older than any of those dates. Early Christian theologians attacked the works of ancient historians like Manetho and Berossos, claiming that both Egypt and Babylonia had to date to after the great flood of Noah which happened circa 3000 BC, according to the Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. Eusebius, the father of church history wrote the following first draft of the short timeline around 300 AD, quoting and then deconstructing Manathaus Egyptiaca in order to prove the Hebrew timeline. Excerpted from the Eusebius Chronica.
1: Book 1. Reign of Spirits and Followers of Horus. Dynasties of Gods, Demigods, and Spirits of the Dead From the Egyptian history of Manetho, who composed his account in three books. These deal with the gods, the demigods, the spirits of the dead, and the mortal kings who ruled Egypt down to Darius, king of the Persians. 1. The first man in Egypt is Hephaestus, who is also renowned among the Egyptians as the discoverer of fire. His son, Helios, was succeeded by Sosus, then follow in turn, Kronos, Osiris. Typhon brother of Osiris, and lastly Aru, son of Osiris and Isis, these were the first to hold sway in Egypt. Thereafter, the kingship passed from one to another in unbroken succession, down to Bittes through 13,900 years. The year I take however to be a lunar one, consisting that is of 30 days, what we now call a month the Egyptians used formerly to style a year. 2. After the gods, demigods reigned for 1,255 years. And again, another line of kings held sway for 1817 years. Then came 30 more kings of Memphis, reigning for 1790 years, and then again 10 kings of this, Thinus, reigning for 350 years. 3. There followed the rule of spirits of the dead and demigods, for 5813 years. 4. The total, of the last five groups, amounts to 11,000 years, these, however, being lunar periods, or months. But, in truth, the whole rule of which the Egyptians tell, the rule of gods, demigods, and spirits of the dead, is reckoned to have comprised in all 24,900 lunar years, which make 2,206 solar years. 5. Now, if you care to compare these figures with the Hebrew timeline, you will find that they are in perfect harmony. Egypt is called Mestraim by the Hebrews, and Mestrem lived not long after the flood. For after the flood, Ham the son of Noah, begat Egyptus or Mestrem. Who was the first to set out to establish himself in Egypt, at the time when the tribes began to disperse this way and that? Now, the whole time from Adam to the flood was, according to the Hebrews, 2,242 years. 6. But, since the Egyptians claim by a sort of prerogative of antiquity, that they have before the flood a line of gods, demigods, and spirits of the dead, who reigned for more than 20,000 years, it clearly follows that these years should be reckoned as the same number of months as the years recorded by the Hebrews that is, that all the months contained in the Hebrew record of years, should be reckoned as so many lunar years of the Egyptian calculation, in accordance with the total length of time reckoned from the creation of man in the beginning down to Mestrem. Mestreim was indeed the founder of the Egyptian race, and from him the first Egyptian dynasty must be held to spring. 7. But if the number of years is still in excess, it must be supposed that perhaps several Egyptian kings ruled at one and the same time, for they say that the rulers were kings of this, of Memphis, of Sals, of Ethiopia, and of other places at the same time. It seems, moreover, that different kings held sway in different regions, and that each dynasty was confined to its own gnome, thus it was not a succession of kings occupying the throne one after the other, but several kings reigning at the same time in different regions. Hence arose the great total number of years. But let us leave this question and take up in detail the timeline of Egyptian history.
0: Clearly, early Christian Egyptologists learned the lesson of Eusebius and passed it on to their secular descendants, if you don't like what the Egyptians recorded, just make something up. Modern Egyptologists entirely reject the idea that the Egyptians didn't know the difference between months and years, the idea is so preposterous it is surprising that anyone would have bothered writing it down. It supposes that most of the ancient kings of Egypt ruled for less than a year. It's as if Eusebius had no idea how babies are made. But if that first idea doesn't work, no worries, maybe all the kings were around at the same time. Maybe every little village had a king. Why not? It's not like the Egyptians built anything that would require a unified government drawing on resources from across the country. This multiple concurrent dynasties hypothesis would enter Egyptology in the early 1800s be thoroughly debunked by 1900, and then return to dominate Egyptology by the 1950s. Dark Age Egyptology During the European Dark Ages that followed the fall of Rome, the question became mute as few Europeans could read, and most of the books from the pre-Christian era had been burnt. The great pyramids of Giza were believed by medieval Christians to be grain silos erected by the Jewish patriarch Joseph while he was enslaved in Egypt. This strange idea of a solid stone grain silo still finds believers among Christian fundamentalists today. In Egypt and the greater Islamic world, interest in the ancient Egyptians continued unabated. Most of the ancient Greek and Roman books that survived the Christian book burnings, only survived because copies of them were preserved in Persia and Arabia. Egyptian historians wrote extensively about the ancient Egyptian civilization, including Abdul Latif al-Baghdadi, a teacher at Cairo's al-Azhar University around 1200 AD, and al-Makritzi, an Egyptian historian around 1400 AD. Unfortunately, After centuries of occupation by the Nubians, Assyrians, Persians, Greeks, Romans, and Arabs, the Egyptians had lost the ability to translate hieroglyphs and hieratic. Around 900 AD, the alchemist Ibn Wahiyah managed to partially decipher the ancient Egyptian scripts, however, it wasn't until Champollion's work in the early 1800s that the full translation of ancient Egyptian text became possible. As Europe passed through the Renaissance, classical Greek and Roman works began to circulate again in Europe, and historians began to question the idea that the pyramids of the Giza Plateau were used to store grain. Napoleon's invasion of Egypt inspired the imagination of Europeans, and less than a decade after Napoleon's defeat, Jean-Francois Champollion announced he had deciphered the ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. For the first time in over 1,000 years, humanity could read what the ancient Egyptians had written down. Expeditions were mounted to Egypt to recover as many texts and artifacts as possible. Europe had entered the age of Egyptomania, and the rape of Egypt had begun. Champollion's translation of the ancient hieroglyphs that supported Manithau's ancient timeline, re-sparked the old animosity between Bible literalists and the early European Egyptologists. The conflicting dates had become even more problematic because the Bibles in Western Europe had been changed by the 1500s and now the world was only 5700 years old, meaning Champollion was stating that Egypt was founded over 1800 years before God made the world. The changes in the Bible were caused by the decision to switch from the dating used in the Old Greek Septuagint to the dating used in the Masoretic text found in the Rabbinical Jewish Tanakh. The Greek Septuagint is a translation of the ancient Hebrew scriptures that became the Old Testament of the Bible, made around 300 BC when Judea was part of the Greek world. The Masoretic texts was a version of the same Jewish scriptures that were used by a group of rabbis between 600 and 1000 AD, that had a different dating for the lives of the ancient patriarchs than the Septuagint. The Masoretic texts were copied from older texts by a group of Jewish scribes called the Masoretes, and date to sometime before 400 AD, as a fragment of one was found in 1970, dating to between 210 and 390 AD. The three competing calendars and ages of the earth were noted by the early Christians, who adopted the Greek Septuagint over the Jewish or Samaritan texts. Starting around 800 AD some Christian leaders began to switch to the Masoretic texts, believing they were more accurate copies of the ancient Hebrew scriptures. While this had at first been heretical, by 1500 AD, almost all Old Testaments in Western Europe were based on translations of the Masoretic texts. During the Renaissance and Reformation, and into the Age of Enlightenment, the idea that the world was created around 4000 BC, was accepted as fact by almost everyone in Western Europe. Sir Isaac Newton, Johannes Kepler, and Martin Luther, each published dates for the age of the world, ranging between 4004 and 3961 B.C. The First Egyptian Short Timeline The second school of thought quickly developed within Egyptology, based on the premise that the Egyptians couldn't have founded their civilization before God made the world and therefore Egyptian history could not date back further than 4004 BC. The problem was that the ancient Egyptians had records of their kings. The king lists might have been incomplete, but the combined length of the reigns the Egyptologists knew about, added up to over 5,000 years, ending when Alexander conquered Egypt in 332 BC. The early advocates of the short timeline decided to follow Eusebius' advice and promote the idea of multiple concurrent dynasties. The reason there were so many kings, was because there were multiple kings ruling at the same time. In this theory, there would have been different kings ruling from different capitals, at the same time. The advocates of this new short timeline decided that some of the dynasties in the old and middle kingdoms were just provincial governors that Manithau had intentionally added to his king lists to make the Egyptian civilization seem older than it was. One of the leading promoters of this idea in the mid-1800s was Chevalier Bunsen, a German scholar and diplomat. Using the multiple-concurrent dynastic approach, Bunsen calculated the foundation of Egypt as being in 3643 BC, after God made the world, but before he destroyed it with the great deluge. Proponents of this theory believed that the Old Kingdom was a pre-flood civilization, while the Middle and New Kingdoms were post-flood. This first version of the short timeline was disproved by Augusta Mariette, who pointed out that dynasties often erected monuments in cities other than their capitals, including the capitals from other dynasties. If they were competing dynasties, this could not have happened. Additionally, the Turin and Abidas king lists were discovered, proving that Manetho had faithfully compiled a king list, that matched what the New Kingdom era Egyptians had believed a thousand years before him. Egyptologists universally turned back to the long timeline. This is the end of this episode of the Broken Timelines podcast. For the complete text, notes, and quotations, please read the complete collection of Broken Timelines books, available at Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, Gardeners, Google Play, Kobo, Scribd, Walmart, and many other vendors, as well as most public libraries.